You're listening to Modded. On this episode, we have Janelle Bedad, who drives a wide-body Lexus, which is his current car, but he's had a long history of Lexus and other cars. So I want to know, like, what was the first one that you had? The first Lexus I had was that 99 Lexus GS300. When I bought it, I had all the intentions of gutting everything. So I didn't really care what condition it was in as long as it was, you know, the frame was straight and the bo most body parts were, were good and no rust. From then on, all the parts were ordered from Japan. The GS300, I was inspired by VIP Styles John. Oh, so that was a big inspiration, I think, for everybody that's in the VIP scene. Did you, did you gut it with the intention of replacing every single thing? Every single part. I think the only part that wasn't touched or cut up is the roof. So and you had a cost, you had a custom audio setup in the back, right? Correct. Yeah. Full, it like was, like it was like fiberglass and done up and everything. It was all fiberglass, all quality speakers, Hertz audio and Audison equipment. No expense was spared for that build. Yeah, but that's like a big build to go into right away. So how did it? It was um, my my first version of it was uh, it was paint job i actually bought that mode perfume roberuda cup suspension for it at that time it was only me and another guy in new jersey that had it before this build my cars that i used to put together was really on a high school or a college student budget so it wasn't really all that so now when i finished school you know i was excited and giddy to build this car so i really you know, didn't pay attention to what the price was at that time. Yeah, and did you start in the Philippines? Yeah, I've always been into cars uh, ever since my early high school years. Good friends of ours back home, we loved cars. I mean, granted that we had high school budget, so we cut corners here and there. I think my first car that I, I drove was uh, a 92 Nissan Sentra. It wasn't an SER yet. But it was a car nonetheless. Yeah. I had put some wheels on it back then. This was back in 95, 96. And back then, 16-inch rims were huge. You know, the stance game wasn't there yet. Uh, so being in high school, we didn't know what we were doing. So as long as it looked good, we drove it. Did you guys know, like, about stance? Or, like, what defined stance for the people... Like listening that don't that aren't as familiar with it, you think? Uh, see, uh, there's a couple of definition of, of stance depends on what car scene you're in. Obviously, in the American muscle car scene, it's more beefy tires, very tight fitment, but none of that cambered stuff. But in the what what do you call stance scene in the Japanese market or maybe European domestic market would be more of a Cambered, you know, stretched out tires. Um, for me, the stance should be, you know, close to the fenders or, or tug, but definitely not sunken in. Stance, it really depends on what type of car styling you're into. And then going back to the, the Philippines, what was the car culture like when you were first starting out over there? Uh, the car culture, I can, it's a, it's a big difference from here um, the way we painted the show cars. The show cars there were painted inside, outside. They had the rotisserie they painted underneath. These these were old school Corollas. 
that they were turning into show cars. So imagine, you know, how a lowrider build is, mm -hmm. but put it in a JDM car. So it was very detailed, but it was nice. A lot of people were into older cars then. It was in the, more like the 80s and 70s Toyotas and Mitsubishis. As the years went by, we had cars there that we didn't have here, like the Evos, 7s, and 4s. I, I like the 4s. Basically, the builds, the show car builds there were a lot different compared to here. And, then and it was a lot more expensive to get into a car show, too. I think uh, over there, to get into a car show, you would have to pay about two, $300 to, to enter. Just the registration. Just the registration. Yeah. So you really need, you know... A nice show car to showcase your build. Why is that overseas price so much more different? Because here we're averaging like fifty to sixty dollars, right? Uh, I really don't know. Um, I'd like to say it's because um, more, uh, maybe the venue cost more, mm -hmm. um, or they didn't have much sponsors then. Maybe they had one or two big sponsors, but their main show was the Manila Auto Show. Maybe it's because of the name. Really, if um, if you go to a car show in the Philippines, it was you'd expect nice cars. Mm -hmm. So even though they're older, but they're they're top notch builds. Yeah, especially when paying two three hundred dollars just to get in. Yeah, and, and two three hundred dollars back home is a lot to most people. Yeah. So <laughs> you'd have to be somewhat rich to show your car. Have you kept up with what it is now over in the Philippines? Uh. I actually was there recently, last December, and I kind of, uh, my friends that were in the cars were, you know, they, they stayed back home, so I met up with them. Um, it is, it is still, people still spend a lot of money putting into their cars. My friends actually were in a car group. It's pretty big back home, the way they fix up their cars. It somewhat has that Japanese culture inspired uh, my friends were into Subarus at the time, so they showed me their, their WRXs, which was pretty cool. They still had, you know, legit parts. Uh, that was pretty nice, um, but overall, I didn't see a lot of car shows there at the time. They weren't, I think usually the car shows there are in January or February, so I wasn't able to. But I saw a few cars on the road. That was pretty nice. Are they dealing with high import taxes? Yes. They do. Um, usually, a car here that would cost twenty thousand is double over there, <laughs> so it's crazy. So if you, I think he, he bought his WRX. Um, I don't know how much they cost here. About used, maybe what fifteen? Depends on what year. Yeah, depends like on a the 13, year. Yeah. Two thousand thirteen yeah. one. So it's just it, it's just double the cost, especially if it's an American car. You know, Japanese maybe a little bit, but if you would import a Cadillac or a Mercedes or even the exotics, obviously the exotics would cost way more if you bought it here. So it's similar to the taxes in Malaysia or Singapore, but a little less. So every car there is expensive. Yeah, Singapore is, is crazy expensive. Yeah. 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 My coworker actually, um, he's there right now and my company will give him like a subsidy just to be able to afford a car there it's insane and uh i think it's singapore that has uh like you can't own a car that's older than what five or ten years and then eventually you'll have to just get rid of it because 
the taxes and the registration on it just gets so ridiculous where you keep it that it's not even worth it for you. Uh, it's 10 years, yeah, I'm pretty sure, because I remember someone that had like a 2007 STI that was done up really, really nicely, and then he posted a video just in a scrapyard going into the shredding like, oh, machine, like lead compacting machine. That's got to hurt. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's hard to own a modified car out there that's not new. Yeah, he, um, plus I, I, maybe it's probably because of the strict emission laws in Singapore is one of the cleanest countries mm -hmm. in the world so and i think they also just want to limit the amount of cars on the road that and pollute pollution, pollution too yeah. yeah yeah definitely what other um the taxes on parts mm -hmm. that that are in the um in the philippines are they facing like a um that i'm not sure uh, what the the taxes on aftermarket parts would be i would imagine it wouldn't be too bad since it's you know japan is close by mm -hmm. Um, I, I really don't, my dad, I remember my dad import, importing a set of Yokohamas back then. Um, he wasn't really complaining of the, the cost, so I wouldn't think it would be too much. But vehicle is different, so. Yeah. <laughs> and you, I think that, um, or do you think that a lot of the car modifying sort of like passion has come over to the States? Because <clears throat> there is a big Filipino population that modifies cars and i see it you see it a lot you yeah know, very yeah. proud too very proud. definitely especially in california yeah i think it generally when you see modded cars it's either going to be most of the times a filipino owns it why do you think that is i don't know good question um could be maybe their dads were into cars too back in the day mm -hmm. or it could be yeah it's a good question could be something well, genetic. <laughs> I don't know, it might be because I remember it runs in our blood. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of um, a lot of people that have an Evo 10, right? And uh, when Varus came out with their new V3 front bumper, I remember them posting it up. They had uh, they had no pricing on it at all and no date as to when it would be released. But people had already pre-ordered it, and I was like, I know you. I know it's you guys with those Evo tens or money. I know it's you Filipino guys that are just like dropping it. No, no price whatsoever, no release date. But you're already pre-ordering, and it's like so crazy that they like it's strong, like the passion to yeah, the passion to mod cars. It's it's crazy. It's not just one specific type of car either. It's not just JDM cars. Mm. Yeah, back I remember when I was in high school, a few um, older buddies of mine, they were into the Mercedes Benz. The, one, two, four body Mercedes. Um, they had the station wagons and the four doors, the sedans. So I saw a lot of those back when I was younger. And even now I still want a wagon. Like I said, I think it goes from generation to generation, the fixing up car passion, modding fat passion. Just, it goes down to generation to generation. And really as car guys, we never get, you know, too old to mod cars. So I think, when your son or your daughter sees that what you're doing to your car, it just becomes something to do or bonding, you know, time with your 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 son or daughter. So eventually, it carries on later on in their lives that they start wanting to mod too. Yeah, although it's not a cheap hobby, definitely if you want quality parts. But you know, we find ways to. <laughs> Yeah, I found a way. It's just yeah, I was talking to Christian yesterday and says if you have if you have a plan in mind, you do whatever it takes. Yeah, even if you have to eat ramen noodles for mm -hmm. the rest of your life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but um, let's talk about the um, 
why you chose to go VIP, go to that style, and the build that you said inspired a lot of the community, the person's build. Um, why I chose that styling would probably be seeing a, a luxury sedan done up because before this all styling happened, it, it was mostly um, import tuners, tuner cars like Civics, maybe the smaller MR2s, but you wouldn't see a luxury sedan. Very rarely you see a luxury sedan um, done up nicely. If you would, it would be um, mainly probably 22-inch wheels, 24s. To me, when I saw that GS300 that John built from VIP style cars, that reinforced my idea to just, you know, I want one. I want to build one. Um, just seeing a big body sedan on the, on the ground with, with just the right size wheels, you know, something about it is just gangster. <laughs> so um, the car that you have right now, talk a little bit about that, like the body kit and how you came about um, 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 going the direction that you went. The current build I am on is uh, 07 LS460. I've gone, this is my what second phase now. Started as a, a white car, but story was I never meant to have an LS. I was never meant to have an LS460. I had a, I was driving a GS350 at the time. And then I passed by a dealership. I saw a white LS460 with black interior. To me, that was kind of rare, a rare combo. But, um, you know, I never really thought of going into, into that car like it is now. Mm -hmm. But I guess it eventually happened. Um, like we all say, I'll keep it stock. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just buy wheels and suspension. That's I'll it. I'll only but do this. Yeah, we always it. do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, and that's what I told my wife. Yeah, yeah, you'll be able to drive it. You know, I'll buy a nice, you know, coilovers with wheels, and that's it. <laughs> but three three years later, you know, it's it's far from stock. Um, but but yeah, uh, I ended up buying my first kit for it was a Mode Perfume um, a Regalia kit. I wasn't gonna paint it the color I painted it. I was gonna keep it OEM, the the Starfire uh, Pearl color, but. I was talking to the body guy, Jose, at, um, in McKinney, Texas, um, Jose Autobody. He told me the cost of painting, repainting the whole car that color would be the same as if I was to change out the color. So <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I had to change the color. So I painted it a, uh, a Ferrari um, Azuro California blue. That was one of the hardest decisions to make when painting a car, you know, Will it work? Will it, you know, you only get to spray it once. Yeah, especially like uh, going from a white, like white is like the new, it's like the most popular. Exactly, color, right? white is the, um, white and black would be, plus gray would probably be the safest colors to go with if uh, you're having a tough de decision. But, you know, I was, I told myself I was gonna paint the car a different color. I want it to pop or to be different from, you know, the, your regular VIP, um, let's just say VIP common colors, um, black, silver, black, white, silver, yeah. white, or gray. Mm -hmm. Um, those were the standard, I guess, since everybody was running on stock colors back then, but we always want to be standing out with, you know, within the crowd. I was actually thinking about a teal color first, but I was like, no, nah, it may or may not work. And then. Um, I bring I bring it up because like 
I think of teal and I'm and I was debating like, well, maybe painting my car the Atlantis blue from BMW. You know, I see on I see on the M2s. So I'm just like, man, that looks really yeah. good on those M2s. But maybe for another day. We'll for another day. For another day, yeah. But yeah, those are that, I like that color too. Mm-hmm. And then you know, um, I spent countless hours of looking at the paint books. You know, my eyes probably started going bad because of looking at it under the sun. <laughs> but I. I finally ended up making that choice with on that blue, uh, which worked out. You know, it was it was a nice blue. Yeah, I drove that. I think I drove that version for a year. Um, but um, someone hit me from on my rear bumper, so completely broke the rear bumper. <laughs> but um, it's funny because the, the guy that hit me was my neighbor's son. Was it right in your neighborhood? Or no, it was close to the neighborhood. Um, we were coming from home from uh, my daughter's baptism, and we were at a stoplight. And that kid thought he was green, so he went ahead and punched the gas and hit my car. You know, but luckily, you know, my neighbor was nice. He said, um, "Get what you want for it. You know, show me how much you paid for the kit, and you know, my insurance will take care of it." So, anyways, uh, the insurance took care of it. At the, at the time, I was already thinking of the conversion, and I had, you know, some some money laying around that I was gonna put on the blue car anyway. So I ended up buying the the 2013 conversion for it. I'm a person that likes to observe um, the newer models to see if the body lines are the same. So yeah, um, I bought the conversions piece piece by piece because. Obviously, buying from the dealership brand new was going to be super expensive. So, with the help of a few friends that worked at uh, Lexus, you know, I eventually completed the conversion. What's how like how many pieces are involved in the conversion to get it where it's at? A lot. The the front end alone, you'll need the whole front end fenders, hoods, headlights, the some of the the headlight support the the brackets that goes behind the headlights um, does it does it bolt up to i guess oem holes in the chassis oh yeah yeah it bolts up bolts right up the only difference is the newer ls's are about four or five inches longer than the 07 generation i was the one of the first few to do it so i was doing some trial and error stuff in the beginning i didn't know it was longer so i told my body guy you know if you can just cut up the fenders and shape it to the headlights, that would work. I don't have to buy the fenders, which at the time were 1200 a piece. So <laughs> that was crazy. I was like, no, <laughs> if you can make it work, then make it work. So he, he tried it, um, but he called me up. He said, hey, uh, your headlights hitting the one of the fuse boxes. I was like, no, that doesn't sound right. Cause you know, it obviously, from stock it shouldn't hit it so um and i just decided to oh i actually i found a used fender on ebay a new one 2013 one on ebay so i was like yeah let me go ahead and get that then and there i found that uh that the new ls's were longer so yeah just the front end you need everything from the front end and the rear you need the trunk the taillights the trunk garnish and obviously the rear bumper Plus some electronic stuff too, like the the camera, the backup camera, and the plate lights. 
And this is all before putting on, or even putting on the wide body that you have. Yeah. Right now. Um, before I before I did that, I saw Endgame had come out with that that kit for that new LS in my head. Man, I, I need it. <laughs> even after doing all that work to I, do the conversion. For some reason, I got bored after it got hit. You know, I was like, man, I wanted to do more stuff to it, but this bumper's cracked already. <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, um, I, w I still wanted to keep that blue. I like, I love that blue. Um, but since it's going back to the shop again, it's like, I'm thinking of, you know, more stuff to do now since it's in there already. And, you know, I told myself, if, if I can't get the parts needed for the conversion, I'll stop. <laughs> but I ended up getting it. So um, it actually, you know, worked out nice. Um, because I updated the look of an older car without having to spend 80 grand on it. Plus, I love the, the aim game kit, the look of the aim game kit and how, how wide it was. So here I am uh, ordering the kit and, you know, doing all the conversion stuff. Now, um, the body shop tells me again the same thing. So in order to paint this color, this is, this, this is how much it's going to cost. You might as well change the color again. <laughs> So uh, here I am looking at the paint books again because <laughs> uh, the Ferrari color was, was kind of expensive just probably because it's from Ferrari. Mm -hmm. um, so he told me, what if you painted, you know, these colors here, that, like more, I guess, not from a Ferrari. As most of you guys know, it's a, it's a gray from a Porsche. So, but picking the color, like I said, it's always been the hardest thing besides, you know, compared to picking wheels, you know, picking wheels, color, those can make or break your build. Um, they're both not cheap, so yeah, well, you so, can't make that mistake. Yeah, <laughs> especially building three-piece wheels. Yes, you know. especially if it's a three-piece set, then definitely, yeah, you can't, it's hard to make that mistake. So, um, yeah, looking at the color books again, well, my first choice was going to be more of like a purple, a purple shade. I wanted to stand out again, and I saw a gray Porsche pass by, and it's an interesting color. You know, it's not metallic, but it still looks, you know, really nice and sporty. And this is what the build was going to. You know, it's going to be a sporty because of the look of the car and the wide body kit to it. Um, I ended up deciding with that gray color, uh, since not a lot of um, it's, it hasn't been incorporated into the VIP style builds yet. Um, where I'm going is going to be sporty. I'll, I think most cars that I've seen from aim gain is the white white car or the black one. So I ended up picking that gray. It really took me a while to, do, to finalize that decision because that gray was kind of hard to picture on the car. I was just looking at a swatch of that color. So I kept on going back and forth between purple and gray. And at the end, I, I just told myself, okay, screw it. Let's just do it, you know. Um, and I was going to redo the wheels anyways, according to what color I picked. And I decided, you know, to break off a lot of gray on that car. So I just decided to paint some, to powder coat the wheels black and re-coat re them black. And actually, what came out pretty nice because it broke down all that gray. So... Yeah, at, at the end of the day, I think that gray was a pretty good decision.
Yeah, I think we have to give a lot of credit to Jose because the name is starting yep. to grow a whole lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. A lot of cars have been uh, coming out of that shop now. Um, you'd be surprised. A lot of Houston cars go to him, too. Um, it's a four-hour drive, but it's worth it. Paint and body is one of the hardest things. Yeah, especially any... custom yeah. Uh, custom paint and body. It's, it's not the easiest thing to uh, please the owners. <laughs> of uh, custom cars you know most of us are perfectionists and um but he's a stand-up guy you know he he asks you first you know do you like this look or do you see any needed things to be corrected before i paint it before we finalize this because when it's painted you know it's really hard to sand it down and redo the thing again so and that's what he did with me he before he painted the car he made sure everything was to my liking. When I actually went there, I had told him to, you know, kind of fix the fender lines because uh, one of the quarter panels was kind of angled, weird. It, it wasn't really flat. So I told him, no, I don't. I didn't want it that way. I wanted it flat. So good thing he he called me before he painted it, or it would have been more work for him. And it's different than it is in a. I guess in California, the car customization, car customization is a whole lot higher and a business can run sort of on, on, on a lot of that revenue. Oh, but yeah. Here you see a lot more insurance work. It's hard to run a business on just the custom. I think the cost of uh, painting a custom color or, or doing up a custom car alone in California versus Texas is a, a big, there's a big difference, a big gap. I've heard of uh, paint jobs costing 10, 12, 15 grand. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas over here, some shops here, you can get away with 5,000, 6,000, you know, maybe 10 if you go to a, maybe a, a reputable hot rod shop or 15. But that's that's pretty much like max, nice glass. Yeah, paint. it is. And yeah. hot rods are always the shops that you that a lot of people would want to go to because they're, yeah, they're hot always shops. been known for quality. Yeah, and and they they have that reputation already, but you know we're not we're not millionaires no. um, that can just say, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, what was your wife thinking when you took it all out? Because uh, you said that you were gonna kind of keep it as something she could. My wife was actually, you know, she's a once in a lifetime gal. That past girlfriends I've had, as far as uh, having experience with me modding cars, you know, would be very strict about uh you know a typical complaint would be uh you're spending money on your car again um how much money have you put on that car already you know what you're buying new wheels again you know what you're painting your car again so um but my wife is opposite of it you know um she always tells me as long as the bill's paid you're there's food on the table and you know there's roof on our heads you know do what you can do to it you know well, my only my my complaint from my wife was, you know, she wasn't going to be able to drive the car. Yeah, I do. I do ask her, do you want to drive it? She she'd say no because she's scared to mess things up on it. It's not that I don't let her drive it, but but she's just scared to scrape or crack the bumper or something. <laughs> well, since your your car isn't like a typical color, what do you? Did you receive any like uh, negative feedback? I guess from. You probably be a VIP community because uh, you went that route. Not really. Um, since it, it 
that build was geared towards a, uh, a sporty VIP, and that's what somewhat the past couple of years that the VIP scene has been going towards um, more of a sporty VIP look. Um, because back then when I first started, it was clean, nice, clean, uh, flushed wheels. Now, you know, some builds in Japan are just wild, but a few years later, you know, most most thing I noticed was the, when Japanese kits come out, they their 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 designs are inspired by uh, European car companies like BMW and Mercedes. That's what I noticed um, how they designed their kits. So when when BMW and I guess Mercedes or Porsche or some of the European Italian companies um, started modding their their flagship cars that way, their kits starting started to you know become sporty too. So and and that's what the VIP style look was going towards too now, or at least a couple of years ago, uh, the more sportier builds. So um, I didn't really receive any flack about what color I pick. Um, my VIP cars have never been black, white, or gray. My GS300 was a uh, root beer brown. Um, when I painted the LS, it was a baby blue Ferrari color. So um, don't get me wrong, black, white, and gray, always a great pick, whatever build you want. But if you, uh, if you were want to stand out it would be something you know besides white gray and black so is that the goal that you have in mind for the car to make it stand out uh, I wanted to make it stand out but not not to where it screams you know like I'm, I'm really wanting attention <laughs> like I painted it pink or a bright really bright orange you know but um, standing out in a way that that it's still nice Stand out in a good way. That's what I'm saying. Because I can stand. Anyone can stand out easily by, by putting crystals or, you know, doing crazy stuff to a car. Or that, super that bright. Don't right. even flow. Yeah. Yeah. To me, standing out has to look good too. Yeah. Anyone can stand out. David, you can dye your hair pink and stand out easily. Yeah. But it won't look good. <laughs> How are you? Um... How are you sourcing your kits? Because I think a lot of, at least people starting out, are really familiar familiar with how things are brought over from Japan, and the wait times that go in them, and why everything is so that much more expensive mm -hmm. because it's coming from there. Um, I started like any other tuner. Um, you know, you you try to befriend people that are in the industry. You know, you you end up buying parts from them, and next thing you know, you know you're good friends with them. Um, this happened in 07, 2007, I believe. I had, um, when I was buying parts for my GS, I had um, made real good friends with a guy in New Jersey. His name was um, Johnny Odo at the time. He had a company called um, Clear Star Society, I believe it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I ordered most of the parts from the GS from him. Uh, during that time, um, I would kind of help him get some clients from Texas since we were seeing that VIP scene is, you know, slowly gaining tracks um, as far as to people modding it that way. So 
ended up sending him some clients and then next thing you know he he asks me so why don't you just you know come work with me <laughs> and then that started so you know what whoever his contacts were you know were mine now too as um and then his partner um, had left and started his own thing so it was just me and him now so and then um he slowly got tired of that i guess all that importing and marketing stuff so you know with the my contacts in japan we i still kept up with him even though we didn't we didn't have that business anymore so it was good because i got to you know use that contact to get my part so i can bring parts for myself at the time without having to deal with with other companies like a third party company so i dealt with the person in japan and they would call um aim gain or or one of the other major companies it's not just vip parts it's anything in japan that pretty much um borderline like geishas and you know <laughs> girls yeah what's your uh what's like the time frame i guess from contacting a company to uh, the point where it gets over to the states because people people don't realize like sometimes or a lot of the companies they'll wait till that container is filled up before yeah, they'll ever agreed um i've heard uh it depends on what kind of part uh for a body kit um usually from the time you send your payment to them most companies ask for you know at least half or either full payment up front um just because it's every kit is custom made you know custom order you know you order i don't have any kits in stock none of these companies i don't think have it in stock unless it's a surplus or someone returned it for some reason but um most of the time it's every kit is made to order so from the time they receive your payment to you know finalizing everything um sending the payment alone may take a day or two so and then um that's with me because i do it on personally you know um i don't have any containers or anything like that so i go straight to them um and then when they start building the kit the kit usually a kit if it's a full full bumper replacement uh, usually takes them a month 21 days or a month at least to make plus um you know you have to factor in shipping um shipping something as big as a body kit is going to be super expensive if you prefer it to be fedex um, shipped via air shipping um i've i've heard um, of pricing of um, air shipping a kit it's almost close to buying another kit in a few thousands so uh, you know it's highly <laughs> highly uh, recommendable not to uh not to ship it via air unless you're really in a hurry or unless you're you know dominic toretto and you can overnight parts from japan seriously <laughs> dropping that big money <laughs> but yeah um and ocean shipping and then then um it's advisable to to have um all the paperwork's needed i think david knows about that mm -hmm. uh, if you're to ship something from overseas um but most of the people I deal with in Japan knows, you know, know 
already know what they're doing because they're used to shipping stuff to the states. So um, they have brokers that that would take care of you know paperwork for you. And when it gets here, all you need to do is pay the taxes and duties needed. And yeah, but there is a little bit of, of shadiness with that because sometimes you'll hear about that gray market pricing. Uh, always, there are some I've heard some companies or at least some people will undervalue the cost of the goods that they're importing to pay it, to make sure that those taxes are less than what they are. Yeah, yeah. It in a way it's good. Maybe it's good for the consumer, um, especially if. If you're not a big company, um, if you're just doing it for yourself, um, you still end up paying taxes anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, I don't know how, how much percentage they're taking. I, I'd like to say it's 2% or 2.5% of, of what the item costs. So, for example, if your kit is $10,000, then that's 2500 in taxes. Am I right? No, that's no, no, two hundred fifty. Two fifty. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty, twenty-five hundred. Yeah, but that's still, you know, it's, it's more. Yeah, just add. That's it on just top. taxes. Yeah, that's taxes. besides the shipping cost. Mm -hmm. Shipping cost. Yeah, yeah. It's still expensive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. To ship anything via ocean, so. Yeah, um, I wish we were closer to Japan, and it'd be cheaper for us to buy parts. But um, some people, I think, don't don't put into account. The cost of getting the goods here. That's why when they see, you know, everyone looks online for for pricing in their Japanese website. But when they actually order from you, they say, "Oh, why is it so expensive now?" They ask, "Why is it so expensive?" And on the website, it's just this much. How come it's almost twice as much as mm -hmm. the price on the website? But you know, you tell them, "Well, you you still have to ship it, and you still have to pay Uncle Sam his part." So you know, there you go. And then that's what leads to people going with the replica because it's Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a touchy subject for some people. I mean, replica is a replica as long as you don't you don't tell people, Oh, I have real BBS wheels <laughs> or I have a real kit, you know, but it's made by a company in China. It's getting a whole lot more stringent now because now it's the first time, I guess, uh, recently that I'm seeing weak fest applications and SNES Nation applications, you know. Being screened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because um, there was an instance at one of those shows. I'm, I'm not going to name names or anybody. Um, there was this one guy with a car that claimed he had authentic wheels, but the judges knew it wasn't, you know, authentic. But he still put on his judging sheet it was authentic. So, in our in our heads, we were just laughing. It's like, huh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, there was a big drama last year at a show where uh, first and second place came down to a real body kit and a fake body kit, but the judges were unaware. So, oh. yeah. So a fake kit got awarded. For the first place, mm -hmm. a big award. Yeah, uh, I think, um, like I said, if if it's if you claim that it's real, then shame on you. Mm -hmm. um, but if you, you know, if you specifically say oh, it's a replica, this replica, that, and it, it you made it look good, you, the execution is there. Uh, I mean, 
yes, it's a fake kit, but you know. I guess we can't, uh, one thing that David and I talk about every once in a while is just like being uh, sort of like elitist because of the fact that you, either you saved up or that you can afford to pay the real thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, nothing in the car scene is cheap, put it that way, you know. Um, and most of us aren't rich to begin with. Uh, modding cars, uh, we don't have unlimited funds to do it. And some people... Um, want to mod um, cars to their, you know, to a certain style, but aren't able to really, you know, fork out thirty-five hundred, maybe five thousand dollars on something um, that would just go to the car. So I think that's the main reason why people just prefer buying the replica ones, but at least have the heart to, you know, make it look right. You know, don't make it look wavy and all mm -hmm. that and yeah. but make sure you, you specifically point out that it it's it's not the real deal <laughs> i don't have any problem with people rocking fakes it's just yeah maybe that's what they can afford at the time but now these days especially with wheels you can find legit wheels used ones that are in great condition you know for for really not that much you know it all comes down to I guess execution. You can have real parts, authentic parts, and your cars will still won't mm -hmm. look, you know, as good. Yeah, as, execution is a big because big yeah, thing. You, you just slapped it on there. So, um, yeah, as far as yeah, real versus fake, uh, whatever you can afford. <laughs> yeah. How did you come about starting Lucky Brakes? Because that is your company, right? Yeah. Yep. Lucky. Wearing the shirt. Lucky Big Brakes. Um, I initially did it as just something personal for the car um, and then me and my friend uh, Nick Nick Lopez um, became partners and we we just told each other we just talked about it we might as well you know try and give the other guys opportunities to get um, big brake kits for you know non Brembo pricing um, it's kind of like uh, I had um, I had big brakes on my GS2 uh, I had Futura brakes at the time, and they they performed pretty good. Um, I didn't have any problems with them, so in my head, uh, that's that's a part of a build um, most people overlook. And um, to me, ever since I started building cars, I want I want my wheels to have nice things behind them, you know, nice brakes, clean at least clean painted calipers. But something looks better when when that, there's that big rotor that fills up that space behind that wheel, plus a nice color caliper, you know. Um, so, you know, I looked around and saw that I, I could actually get my own brand, so I started Lucky. And then from then on, you know, with the support of our friends and the Houston um, car scene, you know, we... We're not as big as Brembo, and we're not. That's not the goal, you know. Our goal is to, you know, slowly provide um, good brake products, big brake products to, to maybe just the car scene, because um, big brake, big brakes are really uh, more. What what do you call it? Um, it's not your. It's a niche um, niche market, you know. 
you can't sell a big brake kit to an, an average Joe just looking for you know new brake pads or uh, that's something that everyday people don't really just look for. So it's I'd say it's geared to car guys like us. Um, obviously, uh, I'd like to have a set of Brembos, but I don't have nine, ten grand laying around for a set. So I was like, man, how can I <laughs> afford this? So I, was, I ended up stumbling upon um, manufacturers that were able to supply me with a brake company. So, and then um, other, there's a few cars here in Houston now in, in California that, that's rocking Lucky Brakes. Um, so far, uh, they're saying the performance is pretty good. Um, Patrick with the FRS mm -hmm. has been stomping on them brakes at oh, the track know. too. Yeah, he drives <laughs> that thing like crazy. Yeah, yeah. he drives it. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a testament that, you know, just because it's it's not priced as Brembo, it won't stop your car. So. Yeah. Looking at how many versions your current Lexus has had and how much you've done to it, is there anything that I guess you regret doing to it, or something that you were like, man, if I had if I had planned this far ahead, then um, things... my only gripe about that car is having really wide wheels. That just means I have to buy really wide tires, which aren't cheap. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just blessed to um, to be part of the Toyo uh, family, um, but still, and it's not gonna last forever. You know, that wide rear, my my rear wheels are 21 by, I believe, 13. Oh my god! <laughs> so. Uh, I'm running, I think, a 325, 25 tire on there. So initially it was it was 21 by 14, um, but I looked at the tires, how much the tires were, and only Pirelli has, or manufactures that size tire, which was a 355 at the time, which was in the Aventador, you know, tire, <laughs> which was $1,000 a piece, so. Oh my God. In my head, well, it's probably cheaper to just rebarrel the dang wheels than to buy a thousand dollars a tire. So it, that that's what happened. I ended up rebarreling the the wheels to fit a more affordable <laughs> size tire. So, but yeah, it worked out just fine. That's my only gripe about it. Um, you know, the car turns heads, um, young or old. Um, I'm really really surprised that it's getting pretty good reception from different crowds you know mm -hmm. um, I've taken it to cars and coffee uh, different meets and car shows um, where there's different um, age groups and and different car guys so um, mostly I've got a lot of positive uh, positive feedback from it even just driving it on the road you see people throwing the thumbs up at you like, yeah, that's good I like I like having to know that that people like that style so do you ever think that you're a little bit crazy for doing it <laughs> a little bit but i mean it's a passion you know it's it's something car guys like to do um i built my cars not for car shows really um i did the car show thing 
because I had friends that, that likes to do it too. But at the end of the day, you know, a car guy, we build cars for ourselves, at least, you know, that's, that's how I see it. You know, car shows may come and go, but, you know, car, being a car guy is going to be until, I guess, unless, until I can, my bank, my bank account says otherwise. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't build cars for, you know, points or car shows or, it was just a plus that, that the judges and people see it, you know, the same way I see my car. You know, it's, I like, I like that vision. I had a vision and then people appreciate it. You know, it's not, I, 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 I can take criticism too. Um, and I've accepted the fact that you can't please everybody. Every, every person has their own style, liking or, you know, opinion on stuff. So generations today, um, they get hurt when, when you say, oh, your, your car looks, you know, weird or, or it shouldn't look that way. But at the end of the day, like, like I've always said, you build it because you like that style. You know, other people may not like it, but you like it. So it's your money. You spend it the way you want it. So. I think it's a really good point to to end on. So I appreciate you sitting down and doing the podcast with me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, man, we'll do it. Appreciate again being here. Man. Yeah, yeah, of course.